it is very Thank easy. Thank you, Justin. My mom watches this show. To, to, you can just start off by talking about my dad. Hey, welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams. I'm pastor church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316 because, well, really two reasons. We're located off of Highway 316, and it was at Calvary that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so there's some wonderful 316 verses. Calvary 316 is the church. If you want to learn more about the church, go to calvary316.com. If you want to join us online one Sunday morning, you want to check it out with your local, your uh, out-of-staters, um, uh, calvary316.live is our YouTube channel. Uh, you can join us again 1030 Sunday morning, uh, learn more about the church. Uh, would appreciate all of that. Um, I'm joined, as always, by the man that needs no introduction, the maestro of this dysfunction, Dick Dastardly, a.k.a. Pope Creighton Vaughn. Hello. We're getting close to the Scrooge McDuck season. I'm we pumped about it because I'm going to be all bah humbug, about especially Christmas. towards Justin. Hey, you like my shirt? I do like your shirt. Let's show the people your shirt. Where did you get that shirt? So I have a good friend of mine who uh, is a fellow bass player. Um, <laughs> what is a shame is that he he's a five-string bass player. And so I saw this picture on Facebook of a grizzly bear playing a four-string bass. So I sent it to him as a joke and said, Hey, uh, even grizzly bears know that you only need four strings on a bass guitar. To which I showed up Sunday morning at church to play bass. And on the base rig was the T-shirt. He found the t- his wife found the T-shirt, I think, and, um, and and bought it for me. And so I'm, I'm rocking it. I love this shirt. I think it's great. What do you think of it, Justin? You're, you're kind of the man of, of T-shirts. Speaking of which, we're also joined in studio by Spice Daddy. How you doing, buddy? Pretty good. You like long, my T-shirt? You like it? Yeah, I love bears. <laughs> <laughs> that was. That's exactly what I knew you were going to say. I knew you were going to say that. We're because also, he told you. No, it, through the. Yeah, the telepathy that all Christians yeah, we, have. We, we found it. Yeah, we found out today through one of our uh, speakers who I'll let Zach uh, uh, identify. Um, introduce. That, yeah, introduce. Um, Nailed it. That uh, apparently Christians have are supposed to have telepathy or something. So well, he uh, asked. You kind of butchered that. He asked. He goes. So what's the deal about telepathy? I and, liked my story. Though. And you said. My, and and you <laughs> said. Well, all Christians have telepathy, so if you don't know anything about it, like, are you are you saved? <laughs> this was a dumb story. We're going to pull the ripcord yeah, on that. Yeah, we should dump yeah, we out are, of this We are segment. dumping out of that segment. We're also joined, uh, the audience member has be, has taken the fourth chair tonight. Hello. Introducing <laughs> Robert. How you doing, buddy? Good, man. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, Project. I, can, so I hope you can hear me. You are a soft-spoken man, yeah. and and you you're like I feel like I'm yelling, but you're not. You're projecting. Uh, welcome to the officially to the panel, the fourth chair you're sitting in. It feels good. It feels good. You're rocking some denim. Yes, got the hat. You. Got some plugs in. I mean, I feel like Creighton, the the cool factor of the Outlaw Radio Show, just kind of took a step up. Well, it certainly wasn't here before. That's true. Okay. That's true. That's true. So we've got a lot of things. We got a lot of things to cover tonight. A lot of different topics. I do want to start um, with a story. Can I start with a story real, real fast? As some I actually shared with you at lunch. So hold on. Yeah. Are you asking me like I actually have a say in your oh, that's, response? That's true. Why don't you just tell tell the folks how the show works, and then I'm going to commandeer things and tell a story. So uh, basically, what's going to happen is there's going to be a whole lot of stuff. And then at some point, I may get the opportunity to ask the room a question. 
that they don't know about. Um, and then Zach will make a Bible study about that question. Um, if you have comments or questions or just feedback that you would like us to talk about, you can put those in the comments on YouTube or Facebook because I'm monitoring those on my computer. Uh, what's actually going to happen is Zach will talk for a little bit about something that I would describe as a name, though the last time I did that, he brought up an actual serious thing that took over the episode and it was a good episode. So I'm not going to call it a name. But usually it's wild and out of left field. Zach. You know the story I'm going to tell. It's a good story. I, I agree. It is wild and out of left field. <laughs> it is wild and out of left field. So last week, um, uh, my family, we, we the, the boys are on fall break. Quincy's 11, about to be 12, and, and Theo is um, 8, about to be 13. Um, Theo's my advanced child. Uh, and then there's Mabel, who's about to be 5. Anyway, we the kids were on fall break, and so we... we we, we went out of town. We went to Hilton Head for a few days. It was wonderful. The weather was great. Uh, my kids are, are beachies. My wife loves the beach. I love the beach. Uh, we ate a lot of great seafood. Anyway, so we were walking down the beach. We were actually walking back to our spot um, on Hilton Head where we had our chairs, our tent, and everything set up. And as we were walking, um, Justin, you have not heard this story. I have not. That's right. You have not heard this story. I'm enthralled right now. You are, I mean, captivated, really. I am. I really am. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll even whet your appetite a little bit more. We were returning from what's known as the Dunes House, where okay. you can get, we had two pounds of, of peeled shrimp, I fresh do, I shrimp. I do love shrimp. It was glorious. We actually, we was about a, a mile walk down the beach, and both days we were there. We walked down. Two pounds of shrimp. I love shrimp so much. My favorite part of the Forrest Gump movie is when Bubba's describing every single style of shrimp. <laughs> it's 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 really what won. It's such a specific. It, it won Tom Hanks the Oscar. I'm pretty sure it was that very scene. Anyway, so we were walking back from the Dunes house. Belly's filled with shrimp, and uh, and as we're as we're walking, so imagine that the ocean's here, and in the way that the sun was going, is the chairs were kind of faced. Uh, going down the beach, and there was a gentleman. I could see him up up front. Uh, him and his wife, middle aged, uh, mid fifties, give or take. He was sitting there, and he had in his hand a book. Now I couldn't tell exactly what the book was. He wasn't reading it. it was just in his hand, he was engaged in this conversation with his wife. And so as we're walking by, and and we've we've brought this topic up quite a few times on the Outlaw Radio Show, just like that radical obedience to impressions of the Holy Spirit. You know, we're like, God speaks to us in a still, small voice. Oftentimes, it's just a moving of our own spirit to just do something. And we have no idea if it was the shrimp talking or the Holy Spirit, unless we're obedient to that prompting, right? So the only way we really know if, it's, if it was the Lord is to act on it. And so I had one of those moments. And so we're, we're walking, and I see the book, and as we're getting closer, I notice the title of the book. And it is uh, The Case for Miracles by Lee Strobel. And so I just blurted out. I said, how's the read? And he looked over at me and immediately got up. And, you know, I had caught his attention. His wife got up too. And, and uh, I said, oh, I've read The Case for Christ. I've read The Case for Faith. Um, you know, I, I haven't read this one yet. Is it any good? And so the family stops walking, they walk over and he's raving about the book and he's talking about it. He said, I, you know, I've read a few of the other ones. I think he's also read, I think there's a case for the resurrection. There's some other, like there's a whole series of these books. Um, anyway, so there's, we're, you know, we're having this conversation about the book and 
And um, I said, yeah, that's all my list to read, you know, just about, about miracles and, and whatnot. And um, he goes, uh, you know, so what, what kind of interest is, what, what is your interest in miracles? And that's when my wife, Jessica, kind of interjects, well, he's kind of a miracle. And I blush a little. And I'm like, well, that, that's, you know, last year I kind of went through a thing. And I got sick, and 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 at that point, Jessica's like, "I'm taking the kids back to the the chairs because she knows that this is going to be, she knows the story that's about to be told. She's heard it about a million times. She lived it. She lived it as well. And so, um, you know, I said, well, I, I got COVID, and, and then he interjected. He goes, "I'm a pharmacist, um, um, in a, in a major hospital in a in a particular town, and I'm going to leave some details out, um." But, you know, I, I went through all of that, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of writing a bit of a memoir about my own experiences. And so I began to tell them my story, which, again, if you watch the Outlaw Radio Show, you've, you've heard my story, so I'm not going to repeat it. There's plenty of links on the Internet. You can get to it. And, and if, if you're like, I've never heard this, I'm new to the show, ping a comment on any of the threads and, and we'll send you a link to uh, my full testimony. Um, but anyway, I get done telling the story. And, and this gentleman, he goes, he goes, man, I have a, I have a question. It's not for you. It's just for the Lord, really. Because here I am on the beach in Hilton Head. And I'm reading about miracles. And then God brings up a miracle. And like, I really have to like, just take a moment and try to figure out like what in the world, um, Am I supposed... I turned off the Braves game because we're getting blown out. Um, and that was a distraction. Two home runs back-to-back, and we're, oh, we're done. Oh, that was rough. We're done. We're, we're, we're out. Um, we weren't going to start the show tonight. It was, it was, it was advertised 8 o'clock or when the Braves game ends, and there's no, there's no point in even watching it anymore. No. We'll, we'll move on to game four. Anyway, so he's like, I got to deal with this, this thing. Like, God, I'm reading about miracles. God brings a miracle. What is the Lord trying to say to me? So we, we talked, I was like, Hey, that's something you got to figure out with the Lord. Right. And, um, sweet people really just sweet, a sweet couple. We talked about their family. Uh, they, they've got adult kids, some grandkids and, um, I go to leave and, and he's like, Hey, do you mind if we pray for you? Um, I said, that'd be awesome. I said, as long as I can pray for you guys, you know, let me pray for y'all too. So they prayed very sweet prayer about our ministry and, and my family and just, it was a touching, a very touching prayer. And then, and then I started to pray for them. And it was, it was kind of a a very weird thing because they knew a lot more about me than I knew about them just by the nature of our conversation. So I'm like, I'm not quite sure what to pray for here, but I, I start this prayer very generic in the sense of like, Lord, thank you so much that I got to meet you know, a, a brother and sister that I, I'm going to spend eternity with. If I never see them again, I will spend eternity with them. Thank you so much for this, this connection, this opportunity. And then man, I'm, I'm not kidding. It felt like in that moment that the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. And I kind of paused, I hesitated. And then, and then I said, and I said, Lord, I just pray that, that the last third of their life, that would be an, that it would be an impact, um, for the, the case of Christ, for the cause of Christ, that you would use their life um, for ministry to affect change, um, that they wouldn't waste these years, these, these la- this last third. And then I prayed. I said, and Lord, I pray that you would 
you would help them use their money to further your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. And I look up, and the and and I mean, they're both of their eyes are as big as saucers. And he looks at me, he goes, I gotta tell you something right now. So you thought this was about miracles, right? I thought it was about shrimp. You had me. <laughs> <laughs> so so he goes, at our church, uh, when we get home, there's a they're, they're hosting a gala to raise money for this Christian missionary organization that plants that, that they they do they dig wells in Africa, and that gives an opportunity to present the gospel. So you, they're going, they're digging wells, living water. They get to talk about Christ, and so we're going to go to this gala. It's to raise money. We're going to give some money. We we already know that, um, but we're not sure about how much money we're, we're going to give. And this morning. We were talking about it, and, and I told my wife, I said, I said, why don't you come up with a number? I'll come up with a number. At some point today, we'll, we'll see if the numbers match. He goes, so we're sitting here at the beach. I'm reading this book, and I just, I, I stop, put the book to the side. I turn, I said, so what's your number? So she, she says her number, and then I say my number, which is significantly less than hers. And, I, and I, I looked at her and I said, well, obviously you're more spiritual than I am. And the moment I said that, there's a voice coming from the side that says, how's the read? <laughs> and he goes, I turned and I get up and it's you. And I, I get this crazy story about miracles. But you close your prayer. Lord, help my friends be faithful with their money to impact your kingdom. He goes, here I am, like, I, I don't feel like I have the faith, you know, in this moment for this thing. And then God sends someone down the beach this, that prays that I would have the very thing that I'm struggling with. And I'm like, bro, that's, uh, that's crazy. So I, I gave him my phone number. I said, please reach out to me. I would love to exchange information. Uh, so I get back to the condo later that night. I send him a link to the church uh, website, which is calvary316.com. And then, uh, and then I sent him a copy. I sent him a link to um, when I share my testimony at the East Coast Conference. And then like an hour later, he sends me another text. It says, we just got done watching this. We're in tears, over, overcome with joy. This is amazing. And uh, so the next day, Friday, we're walking back down the beach to get shrimp. And, I, and sure enough, there they are. And immediately they get up and he's walking towards me. He's taking out his earbuds and he shows me his phone and it's, the outlaw radio show. He is listening to the outlaw radio. He's listening to the podcast. And I was like, well, that's awkward. That's my, that's my face. And, uh, he goes, I was listening to a recent episode where you guys were talking about aliens, uh, which was nuts. Yeah. Which was, which was nuts. And, and then you referenced an interview with a guy from the creation Institute that you had done sometime before. So that was the one he was listening to. So he listened to two different episodes so we're walking back from the Dunes house and, and, you know, I stopped by, I said, so how was it? He goes, <laughs> never thought about all that. So we've got, um, I guess I can say this. We've got, I think some fans, the outlaw radio show has expanded to, uh, uh, to Pittsburgh PA, which is, <laughs> which is nice. So, um, there you have it. That's we're all my over story. The place. As long as you're not Philly right now, I'll be happy with it. Right, that. no doubt. <laughs> Glad you're not in Philly, for sure. Uh, let me, um, again, very quickly, Creighton, um, I got an email this week from one of our um, faithful listeners. And she's um, 
recently experienced a loss in her family and she's been dealing with some things and, and I guess she's been reading a book about near death experiences. And, and again, I, I, I haven't looked at the book. I don't know the extent of it, but she asked me in this email about, um, my own experience and whether or not I had a, a near death, I guess, experience not to be redundant. Um, my story, what's my experience? And, and so I, I, I said, because I know she listens, so instead of me typing out this long email, um, let me just address it from the beginning of the Outlaw Radio Show because I, I do think it's, it's a relevant thing. And I don't know, have I talked at all about the, the period of, of several weeks that I was in, in, in a coma? Um, so because I don't remember say, really. When you say near-death experience, you mean like the OA seeing something on the other side kind of near death experience, right? Not necessarily just being close to death. Okay, you got to like explain what, what the OA... I know what you mean by that, but right. I, the audience <laughs> might not know. Robert, you don't know what that means. It's you want me to Netflix, explain it or you got no, no, I'll explain okay. it. It's a Netflix TV show. That's okay. It's fine. There's only um, two seasons. I canceled it. Um, But it's all about people who saw something when they came close to death and then are changed because of it. Um, so is she asking, it's actually deeper than that, but that's, it that's doesn't another. matter. But the, what I'm asking for what she's asking, is she meaning like the people who say that they got close to death and saw heaven or saw Jesus or saw something and then came back with that knowledge. And she's asking if you had that kind of experience. Okay. So let me, let me answer that in a, in a really convoluted way. Natch. <laughs> nah. So, um, I had a conversation recently with um, someone that I would I would consider to be family, um, and he asked me about specifically. He was one of the first people that asked me about this. It was recently. He said, "Did you have um, dreams when you were in a coma?" I've been wondering this too. So you've been wondering this as well. So did you have dreams? Like, what was a coma like? Um, and, and people are often, they often kind of segue, like, did you, did you, like when people were talking to you, did you hear them? And my answer to that is yes and no. Like, just because I don't remember hearing you doesn't mean I wasn't hearing you and that that didn't make an impact. I don't remember the, the three days before I forgot everything. Like I went to the hospital January 4th. I remember parts of that first night and then it goes dark. I'm awake interacting with people for another, at least two days. None of that I remember. And I'm talking like I am to you. And then even when I woke up, I was having conversations for a couple weeks that I have no recollection of whatsoever. So just because I don't remember something doesn't mean it didn't happen, doesn't mean it didn't have an impact. So that's an important thing to say. Um, but he asked me about, did you have dreams? And I said, absolutely. Like I had some of the most vivid, radical dreams I've ever had in my life. Dreams that, that, that reoccur. And he goes, well, I'm asking because I, I read a book recently. It's a fictional book, but it's about, um, and, and the premise of the book um, is that the first like 150 pages, like, so the book begins, her and her boyfriend are about to take a trip to the Galapagos Islands. COVID sets in. Like he's in the, the hospital system in New York City. So he can't go. So he's got to stay. But she decides she's going to go anyway. 
So she gets to the Galapagos, and when she does, the lockdowns happen. So she's stranded. She's stuck in the Galapagos Islands. And she's stuck there for five weeks. And there's a whole lot of stuff that happens while she's there, how she survives, the people she meets, uh, this very vivid experience. And then there's this scene that segues where she gets caught in like a rip current and her friend's trying to save her and she is getting sucked out to sea. Things kind of go dark. And then you flip the page. It's the next chapter that says help. And then it's the next chapter. There's beeping. And then it's the next chapter. Basically the first 150 pages, she's in a coma, COVID a coma. And she's completely dreamt the whole experience. And like, there are moments in the story where she's able to, um, like she's sending emails to her loved ones, but she doesn't hear back. She's able to FaceTime her boyfriend once or twice. And it's really spotty. Come to find out that those are like lucid moments where she mm. actually like, it gets through and it cuts in. It's a crazy story. Like I told my wife, she has to read it because it's the most like realistic presentation of how real, like, cause she wakes up and she's like, I was in the Galapagos. Like you don't understand like she struggles with reality. And that was an experience that I had. Now, what's interesting is that the way that the book plays itself out is then she starts dealing with the OA type stuff where she starts questioning whether or not she was she actually exists in two parallel universes and that this near death experience catapulted her and in, into the other experience but then she survived so she came back. And so like the whole original angel OA idea is that at the very moment where you almost die, all kinds of chemicals, endorphins, things are released. You can enter a reality and sometimes you come back and like, how does all that work? And is that portals to another dimension, which is interesting because we believe that when we die, what happens? Go to another dimension. We don't die. Like we, we actually as Christians really do believe in a theological principle that de- the physical death is not the end of me. But my soul has to leave me to go into another reality. And we, we would call that eternity. Um, whether it's Hades and a holding cell or to be absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord, we're in heaven. Either way, it, it is like we do believe that something happens. So the near-death experience, it's like, it, does this give us some vantage point, some insight? And then we come back and we've seen it. The Apostle Paul might have even talked about this biblically, where he talks about being, being caught up into the third heaven. And people believe that in Iconium, he gets taken out, gets stoned, that he actually dies or has a near-death experience, and he sees heaven. And then he comes back because he's not dead. So whether he died and came back or just didn't die but had a near-death experience, he sees heaven, he sees the glory. He's like, I can't write about it because I can't. Human language doesn't even put it into service. So we know these things happen. Now, do I think... Uh, my experiences were near death. No, because I didn't have, I didn't see the light. I, I didn't see heaven. Uh, I thought it would be great. I, mean, I could have made a lot of money if I was like this, this one kid, 90 seconds in heaven, man, he milked that for all it was worth. I could be like four weeks in heaven. Try that. You know, <laughs> um, I'm like, Lazarus was four days, four Boom. weeks, you know? So I don't think it was a near death experience. And where I would contrast with the book that I read, which I'm not referencing, because I'm not, I'm not putting a stamp of approval on it. Um, for me, I woke up like like it, it was like middle of June. Um, I was sitting in my living room 
my arms. This was of last year. You mean you woke up, not like you woke up from the coma, but you just woke up from a night. No, no, no. So, so I had already, I had already woken up. I had already been discharged from the hospital. I'd already been two and a half months into recovery. And it's like middle of June and I'm in my living room. I'm sitting on the couch. And Justin, have I, have you ever heard this before? Yes. Okay. So you've heard this before. So I won't, I won't spend too much on it, but Robert, you probably haven't. Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting on my couch. It's late. The lights are dimmed. My kids are asleep upstairs. Jessica's in the bedroom in the other room watching whatever she's watching. And, um, and I'm sitting there, the game ends, I turn the TV off and I'm like, my arms still don't work. Um, my legs are, are weak. Um, but I'm able to kind of hobble around the house and I'm sitting there and I had this crazy thought of like, because my dreams were so real. How do I actually know I'm still not dreaming? Like, how do I know? Am I actually awake or am I still laying in a hospital bed? And this is some cruel joke, you know, because maybe my arms are some psychological punishment, you know, that my arms don't work, you know, that I'm dreaming all of this because the dreams were that real. And I walked into the bedroom and Jessica could see something was wrong. She goes, what's up? And I go, I go, I am awake, right? She goes, yeah, you, yeah, you are. I was like, that's what you would say. <laughs> Slap me real quick. Yeah. No, I didn't say that because she would have. Uh, but no, I mean, it's, it's, it's a real thing. So like the out-of-body experience, the near-death experience, um, all of those things. Um, like, I understand the nature of the question, especially in the presence of, of, of losing someone. Um, I, don't know, I don't know how much um, I have to, to give to that, other than the acknowledgement that I do think some of that's real. I do think people can have near-death experiences, you know, that they are approaching the divide, maybe can see things. I don't think they write books about it. Um, but I, I, I told this, this dear saint that I'd kind of speak to it and, and, and wanted to. So um, why don't we go ahead and get to, because I, I do know just in conversation, you want to talk a little bit about Israel. Yes. So we want to, we want to make sure that we carve out some time for Israel and we've got 30 minutes or so left, uh, but let's very quickly, let's work in the question that you have, because I know that this question originates with Robert, correct? Yes. So let's, let's get to the question. We'll spend some time on that and then help me circle back around to, to, to talking about Israel. Cause I, I do have some thoughts to share about it. I can do that. I'm going to throw it to you, Robert, in just a second. We're going to do comments first because we actually have a few of them. Okay, right on. Um, we have one from Kylie on YouTube. Oh. Uh, yes. You know, spoilers, Zach. Uh, one from Kylie on YouTube. It says, hooray, Robert got promoted. That would be, uh, who would that be? That is my uh, wife. Yes, it is. Your better half. My, yes. <laughs> the mother of your two children. <laughs> Well, yes, she says she's very excited. Was she waiting for yes. you to be promoted? Did did she think you were demoted in the sense that you were just the, the resident audience member? <laughs> no, because I keep telling her how excited I am each time I come. She, she was just she was just excited for me to one day be on here. What's, what's funny is we did not let Robert know. Yeah, he had no idea when he, he got here. He had no idea. He walked into the studio and uh, got ready to settle into his very nice chair, by the way. We, the audience has... It's a comfy chair. It's a very comfy chair. And we were like, no, bud, you're in the fourth chair tonight. <laughs> and uh, 
I mean, he 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 cheered like it was the Super Bowl. I mean, it was a, it was a celebration. So we we've got a, any other comments? Yeah, a few. All right, let's jump in there. All right, so going from top to bottom, Miss Ann says, "Hey, everyone, say hi to Miss Ann." Uh, her and Mr. D are watching, which is awesome. Hi, Mr. D. Long time no see. Um, we have one from a different Daryl, which is hilarious to me. Um, and he's asking if there's a call-in number. There is not currently a call-in number. I left him a comment. You can leave a comment on the video if you'd like to, to say something. We don't have any kind of a live talk thing going on yet. Maybe that'll be something we do later. And then we got a uh, message from Michelle. Uh, I couldn't pronounce her last name if I tried. Well, we don't need the last names anyway. I'm guessing you're going to know who this is. This is what the comment says. It says, hey, Zach. We love you and are so delighted that the tan people from Pittsburgh made your podcast. Still a God moment that our lives intersected. And by the way, the Braves are losing. Oh, Still better Michelle. than our pri- pirates. Friends in Christ forever. Yeah, okay, that's so cool that the... Uh, I hope I got the story correct. I, I hope that it was presented um, well. Um, I, it was hopefully a blessing to you guys. It was, it was something Jess and I have been on the moon, over the moon about, so... Um, so the question uh, that we want to get to in regards to the episode, and then again, we're going to talk about Israel. Yes. It's an important thing. We'll roll back around on Israel. Um, the topic, given that it originated. Was there any more comments? No, no, no that's okay, all the so comments we're good, we we're got. Good there. All Let right. me know if you have anything else to say. Um, we're gonna, I'm going to throw it to Robert, and he is going to ask the question, given that the question originated from him. It was a group effort. <laughs> um, but so considering that... Um, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit are a triune being, um, but are all one of the same being. Um, it the Bible references that Jesus himself doesn't know when the end times or when the rapture will begin. Um, only God does. And so we're wondering, how is that possible? If you can ex- explain it somehow. Man, Robert comes in and starts bringing the heat. Yes. <laughs> I, I mean, love it. I mean, bring in the heat. So, um, well, let's, let's unpack a few ideas. Because it's, it's, it's one of those mysteries that we kind of can't really fully understand. But I do want to hear your thoughts. And I appreciate right from the jump, that sentiment to the question, because we, we are talking about things about God that, and again, when, when we talk about God and when we, when we talk about God, but even when God talks about God, you know, you got to remember that God is the creator and we are the creation. God is the, the all powerful, all knowing omnipresent being that exists outside of time and space. And we aren't. And so even when God is trying to tell us about himself, there is a limitation, A, to our ability to understand um, and, and our capacity of knowledge, which is why God often has to describe himself using, and this is a big term, but anthropomorphic um, descriptions or terminologies. Like, like God has to describe what is eternal and temporal language that, that we can do our best to understand, but will always fall short. So our ability to fully understand the things of God it is a bit of a mystery, and I don't think we have the ability to fully rationalize all of it. 
Now, I, I say that to say that God, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then the parallel John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. And word is logos, logic. God will not exist in, in, in what we would determine to be illogic. So while we might not be able to understand certain things about God, doesn't mean that the things we don't understand are illogical, even though we can't fully wrap our brain around the idea. And the Trinity, the triune nature, you know, is really a great example of, of, of this. Because what the Bible clearly teaches is that God exists as, and, and whatever language you want to use, that God exists as one person in three essences, or as one essence in three persons. The, is that a contradiction? No, because fundamentally it's saying that the essence and the person are different. God is one, but then God reveals himself in three. And, and as he ex presents himself in those three, he still retains the monotheistic attribute of being one. So there, there is, so God, the father, God, the son, God, the spirit are all God at the same time, though distinctly different at the same time. And that is, that is a, a radical notion. Um, people will try to, um, create some type of, um, illustration to help us understand the, the Trinity. A great example of this is, um, you know, it's water, you know, that water can, you know, it, it has a fundamental property, H2O. That's what it is on a molecular level. But it can then exist as a, as a solid, as a liquid, as a gas. So that there's a distinction between the two things. Uh, that's great, uh, but that breaks down because they don't exist as those things and at the same time be one, right? It was interesting. Another conversation I had at the beach, ironically. Uh, this guy was walking down. The Creighton, you were with me at this time. This guy was walking down with Panama City Beach, was walking down the beach. He was wearing an Auburn hat and Georgia had just played Auburn. So I cracked a Georgia Auburn joke and uh, he paused, kind of retorted back. And we just started chatting. Older fella, a professor, a theological professor at Auburn University. And he's written a book because because we were talking about the triune nature of God. And I brought up the illustration about water. And he goes, actually, there is, and, and again, I, I'm not going to get into all the science. He goes, there's actually one particular temperature in which water is literally suspended as all three in one at the same time. He it's goes, called so, the triple point if you want to Google it. So, so th there actually is somewhat of an illustration. I was like, oh, that's informative. But again, like, I've always been okay with having a God that I can't understand everything about. Because if I could understand everything that there was about God, that would make me equal with God. And I'm not cool with that. So there being a, a mystery to God, as long as it doesn't defy logic, which is what I'd have an issue with polytheism. You know, monotheism in the existence of a triune nature, uh, I don't see as being illogical. Does it defy understanding? Sure. Does it defy my reason? No. Like, I can see how it's logical. One plus one plus one equals three. It doesn't equal one. But one times one times one equals one equals one. So you can have three. And again, God's ways are higher than ours. And I'm okay with that. That could put now. So your question centers on two, two notions. First, our understanding of the, the triune nature of God. And then as it plays into, well, Jesus, again, being fully God and fully man, 
doesn't know something. Specifically, the scriptures tell us that he doesn't know the date of the rapture. Now, when we talk about the date of the rapture, what are we discussing? So there is a, a, a day and time, Paul writes about this in 1 Thessalonians 4, where the, the trumpet of God should sound, the dead in Christ rise first, those who are alive and remain shall be caught up together, where we get the word rapture, to meet the Lord in the air. This is not the second coming. The second coming is when Jesus comes, steps foot on the Mount of Olives, Mount of Olives splits into and he establishes a kingdom. Paul describes another event that Jesus talks about, I think, in Matthew chapter 24, which is known as the rapture of the church, where the church is removed before God's judgment is poured out. It's not, it's not Jesus' second coming. It is the church being called to meet Jesus in the air, that we are removed. Um, and, that, and that, again, theologically, Jesus would say, of that day, like when that happens, I don't know the timing of that. Now, before we get into the mechanics of that, there is some be- some beauty in, in the descriptions of all that. So when Jesus was talking to what would be his bride, right? You call it a, betro- a betrothal period. He says, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. Like, I'm going to leave earth. That doesn't mean I don't love you. It doesn't mean I don't care about you. It doesn't mean that our, our betrothal is any less serious. It's that I'm going to leave, prepare a place... And when that place is ready, I'll come and retrieve you. Which really fits in the, in, the, in the beauty of the way that a wedding worked in Jewish culture. So a lot of times, like the origins of a wedding would, would begin, for the most part, with a prearrangement of parents. So you would have, you know, you know, the kids are playing. You have one set of parents with the other set of parents saying, Hey, why don't your son marry our daughter? Our families will transactionally will, will become connected. Well, they get, they get older in age, and then th- th- that time comes, and, and there's a moment in which the, the son actually formally proposes to the girl. And, 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 at, and at that point, the, an agreement is reached, and they are officially, legally binding. They're married, but they're separated. So she goes back to her father's house, and he goes to his father's house. And the intention of this is she's, she's to prepare herself for the wedding day. Now, they are betrothed. In fact, when we read in the Christmas story that Mary was betrothed to Joseph but had not known a man, this is the time period. They're legally married, but they've not consummated the marriage. They're in a betrothal period. It's as legally binding as any marriage, but there's a separation. The woman is preparing herself for the arrival, the imminent arrival of her groom, of which she knows not the day or the hour. And the son is, is building an extension off to the, of, of his father's house. And how does he know that it's done? How does the, the, the groom know that the, the, the house is, is, is good so that he can go and, and retrieve his bride? Interesting. It's not his job to determine or approve or inspect his work. It's the job, it's the role of his father. Again, this is an extension of his house. So the father is the one that is evaluating the development of, of, this, of this special abode. And it is the father that is the one charged with the responsibility of coming to the groom and saying, it's ready, go get her. And it's in that moment that the, the, the groom rushes out and he goes and he gets his boys and there's a procession and he retrieves 
his bride. And she's supposed to be expectant and ready. Jesus talks about parables, you know, of the readiness of the bride, not knowing when the groom, but the groom doesn't know either. Like he has to get permission from the father. It's ready. Go get her. And then they come and then there's the consummation. Um, and there's the wedding supper. And, and we see this within the application of, of the church being the bride of Christ. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus is currently preparing that place. And, and the bride doesn't know when he comes. We're to be ready, to expect it, to be ready. His return can be imminent at any moment. We don't know. And Jesus does it, but he's busy preparing a place. And there's a moment in time where the father says, the house is ready. Go get your bride. And boom, the trumpet sounds. So, so there's beautiful imagery in all of this. Now let's get to the mechanism. Like, so we, we, we know why this imagery would fit in. But now the mechanism of Jesus not knowing. Like how is that possible for Jesus to be fully God and not know something? Because God is supposed to be all-knowing, right? Well, well let, me, let, me, let me throw in another tidbit. Uh, God is also omnipresent. It's an attribute of God. But is Jesus omnipresent? Jesus has never been omnipresent from the very moment of the incarnation. Because Jesus on earth was physically where he was. At every moment, present, in every location. Jesus was not everywhere at all time. Jesus was in a moment and in a space and in a time continuum. And I would say that that doesn't necessarily stop even after the resurrection. Because in, in the resurrected body of Jesus on earth, Jesus is still, now he has the crazy ability to move around, but he's still in a location. Like Jesus is, 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 is breaking bread with disciples on the road to Emmaus but not simultaneously appearing to the, the other 11. Like Jesus is still conf confined to a space and time, a physical spot. Today, where is Jesus? Is Jesus everywhere? No. The Bible very specifically says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. When Stephen is being executed, what happens? He looks to heaven and Jesus gets up from his throne. Right? In the millennial kingdom, is Jesus everywhere at once? No, he, he, he descends from heaven on a white stallion. He touches down in one place, the Mount of Olives. It splits, and then he establishes a, a reign, a kingdom. So Jesus is not omni, omnipresent, but does that make him any less God? So there's something that he doesn't know, but, but is, that, is that an issue? Well, the Bible's pretty clear that there's something that took place at the incarnation that, again, whether we can understand it all, I'm, I'm not sure. and I'm not, I'm not trying to explain this in, in an A equals A or B equals B type of the thing, or 1 plus 1 equals 2. It's not quite that linear. But there is this concept that when Jesus made the decision to dawn flesh and become a man, fully God before, but making the decision to now also be fully man, that in making that decision as the second person of the triune Godhead, 
that Jesus was willfully laying aside certain divine attributes that he had always experienced and always enjoyed, but he made the decision to set them aside for the plan of redemption. Again, interesting, the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus says, I have to ascend to heaven so that the Holy Spirit can come. But that says that the Holy Spirit is not omnipresent either. But God is. So the way in which the divine attributes of God are distributed among the Godhead, I don't, I don't know. But, but, we do, but we do understand the notion that the Bible is very clear that Jesus is, is God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word, be, the word was flesh, the word be, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Logos, God, became flesh and dwelt among us. Like, there's not a differentiation between God and Jesus or God and the Holy Spirit. They are three distinct, unique persons in one essence. And again, even the idea of Father and the Son. Like, is Jesus the Son of God? Well, he's the Son of God in the way that we use the vernacular in the Hebrew. But Son of something is to be of the nature of something. So Son of God says that Jesus is as he is one with God. He is of the same essence as God. He's not the birth child of God. There's not a hierarchy or differentiation. But God tried to reveal an inner working of the triune nature in a human language. So as we know the Father and the Son relationship, God's saying there's something that, that that's the best way I can describe this, which is unique because the Father-Son relationship is much different than the Father-Daughter relationship because at some point that relationship changes, doesn't it? Whereas the father is the significant man in the life of his daughter. At some point, he gives his daughter away. He's no longer that significant man. His role changes. A, a, a mother and a son, that role changes. A daughter and a daughter, it changes. The only role that never changes, interestingly enough, is the role of a father and a son. A son is, you're always the son of your father. Like that role doesn't change. And so, again, God articulating things about himself using anthropomorphic language, but at the same time, Jesus laid aside all kinds of attributes. Um, omnipresence is one of them. Um, but, but the flip side to it is, um, is, okay, so Jesus doesn't know when he's coming. It fits this beautiful thing, this beautiful picture. We understand why. And that's not defying of logic because Jesus has also laid aside other things. That makes sense to your question. Yeah, absolutely. I th I think you see a good description of this in Hebrews chapter two. Go for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, where it says, uh, well, "I hate just skipping over stuff," but mainly that uh, you know, verse nine in chapter two of Hebrews says, "But we see him, uh, who for a little while was made a lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death." so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. So it says less about him, his his character, and more, I guess a lot about his character. Of He chose to be, for lack of, Made a, better, lesser. For lack of a better term, more ignorant of of the time, future times of stuff. Like it, To be separated. Yeah, to be separated. He, he made that choice to be separated from the Father for our benefit rather than 
his. Yeah. Oh, for so, sure. And and I think that that says a lot about the character and and the, just the triune nature of God in itself. That that God Himself can step away from being. Listen, I'm part gonna, of it. It, it. It's hard to understand, but it's it says a lot that that you would that you would step away from your own self to become less mm-hmm. for the benefit of your creation. Uh, let me give you. So, I mean, I mean, this is not to diminish your question, Robert. Right. About so, like, if we're talking about the complexities of the triune nature, I think it's a creative question to say, well, how does Jesus not know? The, the day and the time that's that's creative that's clever yeah, that's a like good a, question like a, like a rough kind of question like just like an overall like this doesn't really make sense to me okay but like to get deeper is well i'll give you one that's harder yeah like if you want one that's like how do you wrap your brain around this one again I, you know i i can i can mount a good a good potential answer for that but how about jesus on the cross where he says my god my god why have you forsaken me right like what is like th- th- there's this deep fissuring of the godhead like my god my god why have you, like what is happening which is why the earth goes dark mm-hmm. right i mean there's like cosmic disturbances things are out of balance and the dead wake it's another one of my least favorite well, that's the yeah that, that that has nothing to do with the triune nature that's I just know. a weird a weird I'm just thing. saying that a lot of things happen because of the fissuring and it's wild. But I think that says a lot to the deity of Christ and not right. just that he's lower than God. No. Because for that to happen and those things to happen, it shows that, I mean, what did that Roman soldier shit say? Surely he was the son Surely of God. Surely this yeah. was the I, I son mean, of God. It, something happened for a Roman pagan soldier uh, amen. to recognize something that was out of the ordinary. Immediately. And, and he didn't just go, oh, maybe he was the son of a god. No, he was the son of God. Surely this is the son yeah. of and, God. And so for, for that to happen, a Roman soldier who's seen a lot, like, mm-hmm. I mean, you're in a hostile territory basically occupying it, and you're, you're concluding that. And you crucify people on the regular. Right. So this is a great topic, Robert. Thank you so much for bringing no this problem. bringing this up and and Creighton. If there's any additional comments that comes in, you can you can always email us at pokecreighton at gmail um, You know you did that and you weren't even on screen. It was like, for you me. You posed. It was, it was for not me. for you. You literally. <laughs> no, I posed. forgot about the camera. You, you posed <laughs> for the screen and, and you were even have on gone it. by and, and nobody would have noticed. Can you noticed. can you switch to yourself and just do it again? Just no. just so that, no, please do. Nope. Just Keep so going. people can see it. No, no, no. You you're made not, it weird. You're not even in the, you the made preview it weird. screen. You made it weird. Oh, my goodness gracious. So, a great question. Alone. It, you could have just left it alone. No, there's no way I could have left that alone. <laughs> PokeCrane at gmail.com. If you have any questions that you want included on the show, we try to do a good job of doing that. Um, we have any additional comments real quick before I segue? We do. Now I you're going to switch yourself. Now I'm going to put myself on. And I went like this. That's ah, what he was all. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course I did it. So we have a couple it's of. It's better than uh, him doing this. We have a couple of. Oh, is that an Italian hey. joke? Hey. <laughs> Fugat. Um, I really hope that's not a curse. I heard it on The Sopranos. Anyway. It probably is. <laughs> it probably is. We've been uh, censored. We have, a few, we have a few comments on YouTube. Um, one of the major ones is from Angela. She says that. Uh, a great way to see all of this is to watch before the wrath. That was, we were talking about the, um, 
the rapture and whatnot was from Angela. She said you should watch Before the Raft. I Googled it. It's a 2020 movie. I haven't seen it. I don't know anything about it, but somebody named Angela on the internet says it's good. Um, it might not be. We're not <laughs> endorsing it. Before the Wrath? Before the Wrath. Oh, this is right down Justin's Yeah, Justin's there are a few other yeah. comments from uh, a Jesse and an Angela. One is absolutely each member of the God has his purpose. They said there is a hierarchy to the God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Question, is there in that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is there kind of an implicit hierarchy to that? You know, I, again... We're using, and with this conversation with the with the Trinity, you always have to take a step back. We're using human language mm-hmm. to describe something that's not human. This is something that is like an eternal, an eternal. Like, does does the idea of hierarchy even exist? Like, we, we, we right. I'll give you an example of this. Where like you can just get really weird really fast. Time in heaven. Like. Is there time in heaven because God exists outside of time and space? And then how, what's the implications of that? And then like in Revelation, there was silence in heaven for 30 minutes. But but how does that? But then it seems like there's a very short thing, but it's playing out differently on earth. Like I, I'm just saying that there are some limitations to the way that we would describe things that are not even relevant when it comes to our eternal understanding which I love because there's mysteries that 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 will will achieve. I feel like this is one yes. of those things Adam and Eve screwed up for us. Okay, yes. that's true. Yeah, but 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 specifically hierarchy. I, I want to get to that. Father and son, does that implicit like is that implicitly hierarchy? Now, I, I will say that Jesus repeatedly said, "I'm here not to do my own will, but the will of my Father that sent me." There was a submission to Jesus to this this the the other role within within the Godhead, but is it in the same concept of hierarchy as we think of it? Because am I under authority of my dad? No, and no way. Does he have an influence? Sure, he's my dad, but am I under hierarchy? Like, like does that does father or son mean here and here? Or is it here with a submission authority dynamic? Like we're equals. Like my my dad is my equal, but his word carries more weight than yours does. Which, yeah, absolutely. Because he's my father, but we're still equal. Mm-hmm. So again, as we try to unpack the language, we're using human ideas, human ter- terminology, human experience to try to wrap our brains around something that is inherently not human. And And again, I think that's where... <laughs> the, the 2000 years of church history is where you can get into a lot of trouble. So mm-hmm. we have like, let's say 10 minutes left. I, I One wanna... more comment before we get to Israel. Okay. Cause it's from my mom. <laughs> she says that, uh, before the wrath is phenomenal. So my mom co-signs this before the wrath movie. All right, Justin, just... that's your job. Yeah. You're gonna have to watch this. Go for it. I'll have to find it. Okay. But I will. <clears throat> All right. Israel. Go. So Israel, before I share some thoughts on what's going on in Israel. And, and again, if, if you're, if you're, really new to the experience or the, the current events on Saturday morning on Saturday morning, uh, Hezbollah, not Hezbollah. My apologies. Hamas. Hamas from Gaza launched a, a basically a sneak attack into Israel. Uh, they used paragliders. You've probably seen some of the video of a, an outdoor concert. They infiltrated kibbutzes. And they, there was an indiscriminate massacre of Jewish people and, and, and hostage-taking 
of folks back into Israel. This prompted almost immediately. The Jewish government's been very splintered. Um, this prompted a unification of the Israeli government under Bibi Netanyahu, and something that, that hadn't happened in 50 years, which was a formal declaration of war uh, against Hamas. And so from that point forward, there was an immediate um, influx of troops to read, weed out the Hamas operatives in Israel proper. That seems to have been accomplished. And then all the atrocities, and, and you've heard of them. I'm not going to get into, into all the specifics, but really horrific things. Hamas has been rooted out of Israel, to my understanding. And then there's been, um, again, with, with under the, the, the authority of a declaration of war, there has been a full-blown carpet bombing. Carpet bombing is the wrong terminology. Systematic bombing of the Gaza Strip, targeting all of the Hamas leaders, safe houses. Anything connected to Hamas has been flattened. Cutting off of electricity, cutting off of food, water supplies, blowing up of tunnels from the Egyptian uh, cross point into Gaza. And there's roughly 250,000 to 300,000 reservists about to make their way into uh, Gaza to do a full-blown man-to-man sweep of the area. Before I share some thoughts on this, uh, Justin, so Justin uh, spent time, lived in Israel um, uh, as a degree in archaeology from Israel and has a lot of friends, a lot of connections, said a lot of like personal conversations. So like whatever you find on, on X, Whatever you've been reading online, um, some of it's true, some of it's false. It's so hard to get the truth of things. Um, at the same time, Justin has been talking to l- actual people on the ground. So I want to just kind of give it to you, Justin, real quick to share some thoughts. No names, but just share some thoughts of what's going on. So as a believer, I struggle, especially with my personal connection to Israel and the people there and things like that. Like, I, I, I almost, it's, it's hard to bounce between vengeance and letting God take the vengeance with this. Cause it, it for me, because I have, I, I live there, I have friends there, you know, I'm following all the social media stuff, making sure that they're still alive. Um, it, it feels a lot like almost nine 11, um, time, uh, and, and a lot in of Israel, are, in Israel, yeah. but like for me, it's just like my friends are going to war, and I'm halfway across the world, can't do anything about it, and, and uh, you know, their their Hamas is is attacking and and just randomly bombing, and and they're they're going around, and you know, I have friends that are from the areas and the kibbutzes that are that that were attacked and, and destroyed almost. And, and it's a, uh, it's hard to bounce back and forth between that and, and knowing some of the Arabs that are, that are in Israel and, and the plight of the, the Arabs in, in Gaza, because they're, although they voted for Hamas, the, the, they're, they're not getting what they signed up for. You know what I mean? They're, 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 they thought they were getting something, and they they got something way worse. And, and or maybe not. And I'm, I'll, I want to right. speak to that. Yeah. And and, it, and and I know people, and I've known people from Gaza. And, and granted, they were Christians, and they fled because their office got bombed, 
and there are missionaries and, still present in Gaza. Right. Yeah. And and I think that's the I don't want to call the plight of the Christian, but I mean <laughs> Christians are kind of just caught in the middle of of this of this war between Islam and and Judaism and and but but Hamas is they're the things they're doing is just so it, it's evil. And it's probably the in the last you know twenty thirty years it's it's probably one of the most in your face evil things to witness in in the past twenty or thirty years, and that's a hard thing to to do, especially with social media because they were they were posting live on the their victims like Facebooks as they were killing them, and 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 it's just you just want to go in there and just. Burn it to the ground. Yeah, burn them to the ground, and and let them face God Almighty. But at the same time, you think of what that's going to be like, and you're just like, I don't know if I want them to do that <laughs> without knowing knowing that there's salvation too. And it's it's a it's been a struggle, for, like mentally, you know, to go from vengeance to forgiveness. It's it's uh, and I, I think a lot of Israelis are are. They want the vengeance, and it's completely, completely understandable. Well, and beyond beyond vengeance, I, I think that there's also an element, and I think that this is fair, of beyond vengeance, th- there is a sentiment of justice. Yes. Like, we want justice because, you know, th- this has been an unconventional thing. Like, what Hamas did, the reason it's brought such an ire from even the, the international community is that there's often like an unwritten rule of warfare where it's like man versus man. Yeah. And you know, to, to a large extent, we leave the women and children out of this. You have a pro- you want to take over our country, come after the men. There's a certain level of, of naughtiness where what Hamas did, they didn't just come after them. They, they, in, they went after babies they, and children. Not, not just that. They didn't just kill them. They beheaded them. Uh, just terrible, terrible <laughs> things. And and that's where that's where immediately there was this outcry of um, of a reaction. Again, Israel declared war against Hamas. It's the first time that Israel declares war in fifty years since nineteen seventy three. Israel's had all kinds of skirmishes with Hamas, with Hezbollah, with the PLO. This is the first time there's been a formal declaration of war. A splintered government became unified under Netanyahu. Now, we can get into all the con, like the, the the conversations about, because are there a lot of innocent people in Gaza that's yeah. caught in the middle of just this terrible thing? Sure, I think that needs to be acknowledged. How avoidable is it? Well, study warfare. That's what makes warfare a very a very brutal thing. Is that there's there's, there's a lot of innocent people that get caught in the middle of it. Just study World War Two, say World War One. Study Vietnam, Korea, like Iraq, like across the board. Like that's just a normal thing. That's why war is a terrible thing. But that doesn't mean that it's it's an unjust thing. No, uh, yeah, and I I think I think one thing just on our end of the world that this is doing, all the people that are showing support for publicly showing support for Hamas. Like, uh, you got the Black Lives Matter in and Chicago. Chicago. Unbelievable. It, it, like, it, I don't... 
I can't explain how angering that is and how ignorant that is. Or is it ignorant? Or are they re- truly in support of a terrorist organization? Yeah, no. And, and how how am I supposed to trust anything that that label has ever, even if well, I you did shouldn't, have it? You shouldn't, and I said that from the beginning. Right. But at, but at the same time, how can people, anytime they see that word Black Lives Matter, whether it's from chicago or elsewhere now that it's associated with this without any kind of but by, by the way just so, back. real quick just so you know blm of chicago posted on their social media a a, a a hamas flag with a paraglider okay i mean it was that's these wild are like unbelievable and to, to me it's like what about the fortune 500 companies that have been given the money like let's mm. let's say uh, shame on you now now we're we're running out of time right wrap up your thought real quick Th- that's just what I'm saying I think it's showing to light the evil that's on this side of the world and the people that support that true. evil absolutely true and and I think they should be called out for it and and they should be called out for now it. I want to war I want to I want to try to I want to try to discuss this from a twenty thousand foot perspective because. I do think there's something interesting happening here. Um, first, Hamas, Hamas is not an independent organization. Hamas completely exists because of the funding and the support of the Iranian Revolutionary Guard. Iran, they, they are a proxy arm of the Iranian government. Undisputable. There's, there's no debate. That, that is a truth. Um, Hamas does not act independent of Iranian approval and a master plan. Now, why would Hamas preemptively and covertly, without anyone even knowing, why would they go into Israel and do what they did because they knew. Again, there's a strategy to things. Everything's kind of connected. Why would they go in and do something and then put it on social media as atrocious and vile and demonic and inhumane? Just the barbarism. Why would they do that? knowing full well that such a deed would not just galvanize the Israeli government to go after Hamas and Gaza, but would give them the backing, the moral backing of like kind of the international community. Why would they do that knowing they vacated any type of moral high, higher ground that they've ever had. Literally vacated it. Was it rogue? Was it a rogue fashion? All the evidence doesn't seems to substantiate that this, a lot of the shots were called by hierarchy of Hamas, which is in direct connection with Iran. So why would they do this? Well, I think, and again, this is, um, I think the weeks will play out whether I'm right or wrong. What I'm alarmed at is I think what's happened is exactly what they knew would happen. It's the most obvious thing. 
What they did was so barbaric that the Israeli government galvanized. They declared war. They bombed Gaza. And they've amassed 250,000 troops to do a full ground invasion of Gaza. For what? Because Hezbollah can come in now in the north. The Jordanians can come in in the east. Iran could attack from, from further out. It's a bait and switch. Like to me, the, the biggest thing that I'm most concerned about, just watching this from, from like, is it an accident that they did? With, or was this a bait and switch? Was this a ploy? Is this a trap to get Israel to go into Gaza? Because this will become a quagmire. I, I saw a guy, a, a guy that I follow on Twitter took a picture of like all the devastation. He says, all my Marine buddies, tell me what you see. First thing you, you read through the list. Sniper nests everywhere. Like, don't go into that mess. Oh, geez. Like, there's no way out of that. Like, this is a setup for just a quagmire. And again, you can't substantiate the reports, but there seems to be drones that have been flying over from Syria, Lebanon, which is Hezbollah. And I read a report earlier, and again, you don't know if it's true or not, there's there's some reports of tanks amassing on the Jordanian border. Like uh, Hez- this Hezbollah's is already been attacking. They've already taken out a few positions in Lebanon. Listen, never Israel is never attacked by just one entity. Mm. Now Hamas has been a nuisance. PLO's been a nuisance in the West Bank, but most of the time when there's a war, it's Israel versus everybody else. Do we have a strong enough president? to provide American resolve. I don't know. I will say whether it's Joe Biden doing it, we we've moved aircraft carriers in the middle East and and, in the Mediterranean. Like we're, we've, we've given more F 18s and and F like, like we've been sending stuff like America doesn't seem to be falling back, but let me say this. What if Russia decides to get involved? And this is when we get into end time stuff because we do have what's called the, the war of Gog and Magog. In Ezekiel 38 and 39, in which there is a 10-nation, Arab nation, coalition that joins with what appears to be a Russian superpower to try to invade Israel. And then and then there and the, the, the deck is stacked against them. God intervenes. And that prophetic event doesn't seem to be predicated upon the end times, and it doesn't even seem to be predicated upon the rapture, but it definitely seems to fit within sequence. Could this be the early rumblings of something greater? So we're supposed to go to Israel November 12th. <laughs> I don't think we're going. Well, we're not taking a tour of Gaza, so I'm optimistic. Mm. But, but, the, but, but what have I said? I've said if it develops into a regional conflict, right. we have an issue. But if it develops into a regional conflict, the next time I see Jerusalem might be the New Jerusalem. Yeah. Right, I mean, which I'm telling you right now, it's gonna be way better and less smelly. Probably true. I've been to this Jerusalem too, so I I, I know what you mean. But so I know we had also had uh, uh, Colin. We had uh, someone that wanted to know. Yeah, and like, does this tie into end time? Maybe not. Like, like they could go in, wipe out Hamas. This was Hamas being stupid, and Iran's like, yeah, we're not getting in the middle of this. And um, and it's done like in two weeks. Like it really could. Or it could be something else. And a lot of that's going to depend on 
what happens regionally? All I know is about 300 people have been, 300,000 reserves have already been called up. Half, most of my friends that are over there have already gone back in the military, and Israel's currently trying to get those reservists that are overseas back to Israel. I saw a plane full yeah. of per, uh, Israelis in Peru got back. Yeah, and I, I was talking to a guy today where his half of his company are Israelis, and, and they're getting called back. So from here in Israel in definitely area, has so. a sense that this is a bigger thing. Yeah, and I, I, I definitely foresee them after has after Hamas is done in Gaza, they they'll start working on Iran because Iran has are they've already ha- found direct ties and evidence to Iran giving the go ahead and the planning for for this whole entire thing. We'll see. Well, again, it's the further you extrapolate out, the harder it is to be accurate, and. Um, but it's not a good situation. And, we, and again, we pray for the peace of, of Israel, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and we pray for <clears throat> the innocent lives in Gaza that are caught in between. And uh, so, Craig, any, any final thoughts? Anything on the interwebs? We got some more comments, um, mostly about stuff we were talking about earlier, not really relevant to well, Israel. I yeah, but, but throw it what? in, man. We've been, um, we've been hopping I, on the I internet. am so proud. So. I, I am so proud of this new batch of watchers of our program that are actually <laughs> commenting. This is great. Keep it up. It's because Robert was on the show tonight. Yeah, you know, I think it, it might have been. Hey, Robert, you have any any thoughts or any follow-ups? Yeah, on, let's go with Robert. Um, not really. The only thing that I was thinking of, um, especially when I first heard about the conflict in Israel, was I just my mind went to Revelation, and just I was like, I was just like, oh, interesting. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so. War and conflict in Israel is not a new thing. No, yeah, but definitely not. But I don't know. I just I yeah, no, it's went. it's. We'll see. Some of the comments, just fill it in. Let's let's honor the people that took the time to write in. All right. Um, Angela said that Before the Wrath was... Uh, Before the Wrath is the name of the, the movie. Was done by mostly Calvary people. Um, she said that we should watch it and that she'll explain it on Sunday because apparently she is Karen's daughter and Hayden's mom, which I didn't realize, Angela. I apologize. Uh, now I do. Um, she also said that Amir Safadi... I think I said his name correctly. Is a great person to follow for information on Israel. He is also a Calvary guy. Um, she spoke to my mom a little bit, and uh, that. And then Colette on Facebook said that being triune, the Spirit came upon the Son when he was baptized, and she thought that was cool. Yeah. So yeah, that's all I got. I thought it was a good episode. Absolutely. You're on, J- Justin. You got anything left? Nothing that should go on the air. <laughs> <laughs> we've often just uh, kind of peel back the curtain. We've often like, so at the, the moment we like literally Creighton's like, we're out and everything gets turned off. There's a whole nother conversation that always happens. And we've always joked like outlaw radio after air, right? Yes. Outlaw after dark, after dark, but outlaw that would be dark. I started a Bible study years ago in my apartment called Calvary Late Night. <laughs> and we had a t-shirt. It said, uh, verse by verse, while the rest of the world sleeps. Nice. It was it was good. It was. I, I don't even still have a t-shirt of that. But anyway, we, we out? We good? Yeah, we're good to go, man. All Let's... right, let me, let me roll some music. So you've been watching the recording 
of a podcast that gets released tomorrow, Thursday, on Apple, Google, Spotify. If you're listening to the podcast, thank you so much for doing so. Please leave a review on whatever platform that you're listening on. Uh, but check out uh, the live stream, Wednesday nights, 8 o'clock. You live stream what you're listening to. So if you're watching, check out the live stream. Uh, check out the podcast. If you're listening, check out the live stream. I think you figured all that out. You can learn all about the Outlaw Radio Show by going to outlawradio.org. That's our official website. All being said, my name is Zach Adams. Hope you join us this time next week. God bless you.